0: On the business side, um, the lesson was that you have to build a business that's not dependent upon you in the center. I think, you know, just intuitively, because I was capable, because I was so motivated, because I was so committed, you know, a lot of what that business was in the first two years is really focused on me. And uh, I remember my dad, who's, remember, the consummate entrepreneur, I remember he came to California, they were from Ohio. And um, I remember he, like, saw me. You know, crazy making, just doing everything. I think I was even delivering product at that time. And I remember he, he said, you know, so, you know, pulled me aside and, she, and he was really like, sort of, let's look at your business plan. I was like, well, first of all, even though I have a master's in business, I didn't have a business plan. So that
1: was
0: <laughs> for one, dad. And secondly, he really helped me see that I was going to be miserable for the rest of my life if I didn't create leverage.
1: You're listening to Fuel Radio, inspiration and training to fuel your day. Now, here's your host, Rod Jans. Hi, and welcome to Fuel Radio. On the line with me today is Jane Duber. Jane is a sought-after business strategist, international speaker, and leading authority on how to build a highly leveraged business. Armed with a master's in international business, Jane started her first business in 1987 with just $5,000 and a huge vision. She took that business to the multi-million dollar mark and sold it in 2000. Jane then went on to establish and grow six additional businesses. Two, she sold, and three, she now operates with her husband from their home in Pebble Beach, California. I'm going to get Jane to share a bit of her story, so I'll, I'll end the introduction there, but welcome to Fuel Radio, Jane. Absolutely,
0: Rob. Thank you for having me here. This will be fun. <laughs> it's
1: great. I, I had the privilege of having uh, dinner with Jane last week, so I heard some of her story. So it's quite an incredible story. And uh, like most entrepreneurs, she's experienced the ups and downs of, of entrepreneurism. But uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's good to have you here, because I know that you you went from that to build some some successful businesses along the way.
0: And I, I love the whole topic of the Wi-Fi entrepreneur because I think, you know, so many times we can become slaves to our businesses. So I think the lifestyle entrepreneur concept is so great. And I think everything, every single time we started a business, you know, Mario and I would get better and better at you know, making sure that we, wove our, our, our life, our life came first and the business came second. And I think that's kind of one of the principles of what you're talking about. So it's a good fit.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a great fit. And what were you doing before, like you got an MA in international uh, business, is that right? And then what, what were you doing before you started your first business?
0: So, well, actually, you know, to be honest, I, I, I grew up in an entrepreneurial household, Rod. My, my father was an entrepreneur from the get-go. He went in the early days from shooting squirrel for dinner, <laughs> really, really yeah. a, you know, um, at, at a place where they were, they were needing for him to to create some successes all the way to building multiple businesses. So I knew that I was unemployable. I think <laughs> I was in high school and in mm-hmm. college, but so I went straight from undergrad into masters um, to get my masters in international business because I knew that I wanted to play a big game. I knew that I wanted to work on a global level, and so you know, really, literally, I came straight out of my masters in business and I met Mario, my now husband of 31 years. I mm-hmm. met doing my thesis, actually, and I remember thinking, I'm going to have fun, like, I need an outlet, this guy, he was from Ecuador, he's, you know, really, you know, um, a remarkable person, and I, I didn't even think I was going to fall in love, but I, I did, my senior year, and so we actually got, we were partners in business before we were married, so I went straight from my master's in business right into entrepreneurship and took the 5,000 bucks that I talk about starting that first business was actually supposed to be my engagement. (laughs) (laughs) ring. Wow. <laughs> I know. So instead of a ring, I got a business, and I'm forever for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you really are a hardcore entrepreneur. It really is in your DNA. You I know.
0: I, I gave up the diamond, but I did get one, and I got one that was probably bigger than it would have been with that 5000 bucks. So
1: <laughs> So if you can think back, what was it like starting that first business? Did you have some fear and intrepidation, or were you just, just gung-ho and and into it right from the very beginning?
0: You know, I think, um, I think that, you know, Something that's required of an entrepreneur is um, blind endurance. You know, I think <laughs> business, you know, it really was a pretty, it started off as an import company actually. So the 5000 long story short, it was an import company to begin with. And I actually took the 5,000 bucks and got on a plane and went to China um, where I was gonna set up our first initial, um, our trade arrangements because my language was Chinese. I had lived overseas in China for a while. And um, I landed there in in uh, Hong Kong, Rod, and it was a it was a huge national holiday. Everything was closed for three days. I was yeah. staying in the in the Y because we didn't have a whole lot of money. Um, it just it was a crazy journey, and and um, ended up the, the custom house who we hired to to take the shipment and send it back to the United States, stole 50% of the merchandise. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) One of those, it was one of those um, startup stories where you you have to be a little insane, (laughs) right? You have to be a little insane and just take it. But so that business actually morphed. You know, I say that I started seven businesses. I don't even count that first import business because it morphed into what that company was that we built it into multiple millions.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so sometimes I think that's, it's also a great, message for your listeners is sometimes when the business model is not working, you can tweak it and morph it into something else that it's supposed to be. And that doesn't mean the first business was a failure
1: mm-hmm. if
0: you needed to go through to get to that model that you really needed to, to be in. So, yes, yeah, so I think, um, so then we morphed it over into um, more of a, a wholesaling product. We, we manufactured jewelry we're in the jewelry business actually. So we manufactured jewelry and yeah, I, I think more than anything, had I known how much work it would take to get it to multiple millions before we sold it, I probably would have never done it. <laughs> right? Yeah, and, you know, and so I think sometimes as an entrepreneur, you you have to have the big vision. So you've got to get a sense of where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just good to just look at six feet in front of you. Because if you look too far down the road, you know, it can scare you right out of of the idea. So yeah, I think that's what we did. We had the vision. I knew I wanted to impact change on a big level, um, but I just focused on okay, what's our focus for? I work in quarters, so what's the focus for this quarter? What do we need to do?
1: So in that first business, what what do you think was the biggest lesson? Was it was it that you know just get started and things can evolve, or what what do you think? Was, was your biggest lesson in that first business okay, so there's experience.
0: Like, there's a lesson on the personal side and then there's a lesson on the business side.
1: Yeah, that, that, let's talk about both. If you could share, yeah, yeah so share both.
0: We'll, go to, we'll, we'll save the, the personal so it's, it's a little juicy. We'll keep everyone on the edge of their seats there. <laughs>
1: okay, that's good ra- <laughs> That's good radio. That's good podcasting. <laughs> um,
0: on the business side, um, the lesson was that you have to build a business that's not dependent upon you in the center. I think, you know... Just intuitively, because I was capable, because I was so motivated, because I was so committed, you know, a lot of what that business was in the first two years was really focused on me. And uh, I remember my dad, who's remember the consummate entrepreneur. I remember he came to California; they were from Ohio, and he was staying in our apartment at the time. And um, I remember he like saw me, you know, crazy making, just doing everything. I think I was even delivering product at that time. Mm-hmm. And I remember, he he said, you know, so you know, pulled me aside. And, she, and he was really like, sort of, let's look at your business plan. I was like, well, first of all, even though I have a master's in business, I didn't have a business plan. So that
1: was
0: <laughs> for one, dad. And secondly, he really helped me see that I was going to be miserable for the rest of my life if I didn't create leverage. So the, the the business lesson was looking for the leverage point. You know, that's kind of my deal. Every business I looked at, it was like, where can we leverage? Well, that business was building a sales force. And so by the time we sold it, we had a sales force of 350 people. Wow. Oh, yeah. So that was, you know, being willing to, to allow other people uh, to help you because so often entrepreneurs hold so tightly to the vision and to them. They're the only ones that can do it well that, you know, had I not really opened up and had all of those sales reps, we wouldn't have been able to impact the change that we did. So I would say that was my biggest lesson the first time I
1: Yeah, that's huge. You can only grow so much, can't you, if you're going to try and do everything on your own, obviously, but it's still a hard lesson to learn. And it seems like most businesses actually reach a positive tipping point when the business owner sort of gets out of the way and realizes that. I know we're going to talk some more later about building teams and stuff like that. So let's, let's leave that just for now. (laughs) But do you want, do you want to share the personal lesson that you learned early on?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so Rod, I met you at at an event um, that we were just at the new media summit and I did, you know, that two minute pitch and, and it's a story that I told, I've never told it so succinctly, but the lesson that I learned the first time around is that you've got you've got to weave your life into the business. Mm. And the story that I tell is, you know, things were going really well. We were, um, so this was about um, 12 years into the business. We sold it at 13 years, but we were 12 years into the business, huge team, owned a building, you know, all of, all of the, from the outside, it looked awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You know, life was going well. And I think we're at 2.5 million at the time. And the truth of the matter was that behind the scenes, like I was an absolute wreck, and um, Mario and I had been, you know, building our business together, and the marriage was completely devoid of anything smacking of being a husband and wife. It was um, on the box even talking about divorce, and um, I had just had my son, so my son was really young, and he was spending most of the day with a nanny, which broke my heart, and. Um, just, you know, my, my health was a wreck. And so just, you know, we get we can get so caught up in the dream, especially when you're doing, you know, it can happen, you can lose yourself in your business when things are going bad because you're so rocked with worry and fear and, and doubt, but you can also lose yourself when things are going well,
1: because mm-hmm.
0: so much demand for you. And um, so I told the story, you know, from stage, I, I you know, I made a really important decision and I sold the business and kept the marriage. And we started on our path to heal the relationship again. And thankfully, you know, at our core, we were soulmates. And so there was no way I wanted to live my life without him in it. And so, you know, that decision of letting go of a business at its height uh, and even though we sold it and did well, there was that time where we, I just had to disconnect. You know, I even tried the Martha Stewart thing. I tried to growing a garden. <laughs> and I tried baking and all of that. And, and, and realized that no, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I need to be out there building and birthing businesses. It's who I am. It's how I'm wired. And so then the next time I had the business, we made a pact. We made, we made two promises. Number one, that we would never ever base our decisions on the need for money. It would yeah. always be based on our value structure and what was important to us—that was the first agreement. And um, the second—the second one was really around always making sure that the relationship comes first. And um, yeah, you know, who, you know, sometimes I wonder—you know, had we had we, had I not let my life get so completely out of whack, where would we have ended up? And um, I have to say, I think it was perfect. You know, the whole process was perfect because then every single business that we started since then, so there's been six. Every single one, you know, we got better and better at you know, hitting the million mark first, and weaving our life into it. And so, yeah, no, no one ever pulled me. I don't know about you, Rod, when you started your first business, but you know, it was like no one ever pulled me aside and said, you know, hey, Jane, you actually get to have that vision and a life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't on my radar that I could actually have both. So yeah. yeah, that's the message I
1: think. Cool. So you you're saying that having like sticking to your values and putting your relationship first. I, you know, because c- when you s- told that story, it, it sort of begs the question. So what changed and what is, what, what have you done differently? So you're saying that it was having values and not putting money before anything else and also yeah. putting your, your relationship first. Can you give it like a specific example, maybe of those, of those two things?
0: Yeah. You know, it, so for me and answer to the question, it's, it's around trusting
1: because.
0: Mm. Right? Um, you know, there's been different times where I've made the decision to not, like, for example, um, I remember when I made the decision to not continue with the mastermind just five years ago. I since did another mastermind, did it a little differently, but, and I remember um, I, I also had a client avatar that was really important to me. And, you know, we, it took a while for our marketing and for my community to catch up to the level of entrepreneur I wanted to serve. And I remember, um, I remember Mario like saying, okay, I know you're, you're sick. Cause I would basically, I would interview and say, this isn't a match. Mm. Yeah. This is not a match. So I, I think for a period of like three months, I turned away so much business, probably hundreds of thousands of business and coaching programs and things. And I remember he's like, and when are you going to start to say yes? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just, I just, I will always, always say no to an opportunity if it, doesn't resonate with me in terms of my ideal client because um, I said it just in an interview that I had this morning the quality of our life, especially as coaches, consultants, experts of any kind, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your clients. Mm. You How much time with them? Wow. Yeah. So Great. It's about just trusting, even though sometimes it takes a while, just trusting that those people will show up and they'll be willing to pay what you're charging, because you're so resonant. And, and also because people really respect other, especially coaches and consultants, people want to know that you're living your, your truth. Mm. Otherwise, why would they want to work with us if, if everything is smoke and mirrors?
1: That's really good. I've heard people say, you know, if you, if you fire your bad clients, but I've never heard anyone quite say it that way, that your clients affect the quality of your life. And it's, it's really true, you know, like a, a bad client can drive you crazy and a, a good client that is a good fit is a, is a real joy to work with.
0: I know. And you know what? I think one of the, the um, traits that I think is just so remarkable is appreciation. I look for appreciation in my clients, love on them. I, I, you know, I give 100% and you know, I, I want to be appreciated for that work. Maybe it's part of how my emotional wiring is, um, but that's the give and take that we look for, because um, how cool that people, you know, write us back and and you know help contribute to our livelihood, and they send you know love notes of emails to say, wow, that was a great call, kind of a thing. So,
1: yes, yeah. <laughs> so the out there for you. So you've launched uh, several successful businesses. I'm just wondering if you give us a couple quick tips on on launching. <laughs> you know, because. Yeah. Typically, uh, maybe a person who is uh, wanting to live a Wi-Fi lifestyle is already, you know, they're, they're stuck in a nine-to-five, and, uh, you know, launch is always a, and how to launch is always a, a, a tough thing to, to know how to do. So do you have a couple tips for us on, on how to launch successfully?
0: Yeah, you know, I think the first, it's a great question, actually, Rod, because I think so many people just leap right into it. I, I say hands down the most important thing is to be really clear about the vision, the vision that you're going for. Um, you know, I, for me, if I think back to the first business with Mario, I remember you know, ups and downs, huge vision. I wanted to impact you know, big change. And on this, we would have what we call our vision walk. So every once in a while when I would get stressed out or I'd be disappointed or we'd miss a goal, Mario and I would just, we would go on a walk around the neighborhood and all we did was talk, we would talk about that ultimate vision. So, um, so actually, so the vision crafting work that I do, there's like a kind of four steps to the vision piece mm. it's different, but it sometimes that I've found for people who maybe aren't used to vision work, it, it's helpful. So first of all, it starts with your thoughts. So really allowing yourself to gather ideas of what could this business be. And in the initial business, when you're starting it, I say go out five years at five year vision of what's possible. And if you could wave your magic wand, what would be the elements of that? So just starting to think about it. And then after you're starting to think about it, maybe um, you're starting then to talk about it. So that vision of what's possible, that's level two. So it goes from thoughts to words, and the words are in your journal, maybe writing a little bit, actually sharing with a friend or someone who can support you, really starting to crystallize what could this business be? It helps, it it exercises our imagination when we actually put it to words. And then, then we could go to pictures. And so in the picture stage, is where you start to take some of the concepts that are evolving through your writing and through talking, actually start to tell stories. um, The story that we really hung on to that first business was I imagined myself on stage, having people who I'd help them build their business, having them come and share their story. So all of a sudden, my vision was story of other people. That was a really fun um, way of actually, so that goes from thoughts to words to pictures. So pictures where you start to make it real, where you can actually feel it. And that's mm-hmm. motion gets behind it. And then lastly is numbers. So this is what's different with my vision crafting exercise. We actually put it into an Excel spreadsheet. Nice. And I've, an Excel spreadsheet is the greatest manifestation tool on the planet. It's <laughs> anyone to, to do, but actually starting to see, okay, where's the money going to come from? What are my revenue streams? How much am i charging like that makes it juicy so those four stages of the vision most people stop at words on a paper Mm. if you can take it a little further then it makes it real so when you hit that block or when you're going through difficult times you know really reconnecting with why you're doing this is one of my favorite things for new people to do so that i would say so every business we used that exact same four-step process we always had an excel spreadsheet before we even started selling for me that put skin in the game reminds me what I'm up to.
1: I like that. I mean, I'm pretty new at this Wi-Fi lifestyle stuff, but I do have a, I do have a spreadsheet of, you know, potential clients and what I'm actually making and who's up, you know, who's out there still. And so I find it really, there's, there's, there's a sort of power and energy in looking at that and going, okay, I'm here now, but this is where I could go. And it, yeah, it's very, I find it to be very energizing and, and, Keeps me focused. Yeah,
0: one story, like I said, this, was the, so this must have been the third business. So I just sold, I sold my rights to, to one of the businesses. It was a partnership of three, and so they bought me out. And I was kind of crafting, okay, what's the next stage for me? And I had a non-compete in that world, so I was kind of starting over, no list in this particular niche. And I remember in my vision, I put in there that, I, that um, Jack Canfield was going to be one of my collaborative partners and and a friend. And I'll tell you, Rod, the day I wrote this in my journal, within 30 days, I was in his kitchen, <gasps> in his house, eating tortilla chips. Wow. <laughs> it was crazy. And, and, he, I, he actually, and he, I knew it through a mutual friend and he asked me to be at his house. They were doing a video filming and I was in one of his videos for a product that he was launching. But, you know, no, no evidence whatsoever that what I wrote down in that vision, because that was then the catapult into this new whole level of clients with this whole nother world and he was one of the key factors in that and it just happens like there's something powerful when you write it down and claim that
1: fantastic well jane i know for, from our discussions that you are living a a, a wi-fi lifestyle already <laughs> and so i'm just wondering if you could give us some examples of that like uh you know examples of working where you want and when you want and you've already mentioned a little bit like with whom you want you you kind of choose your your clients and uh yeah so if you could just give us a a bit of an example and and a a view into your own wi-fi lifestyle that'd be (laughs) that'd be fantastic yeah so
0: um it's it's so interesting so um I, i wanted to live in a beautiful place and so we chose pebble beach california i came out to california i'm from ohio so pebble beach was definitely one of our um on our bucket list. And, you know, I think if if I think about where people are choosing where they want to live, you know, so when we chose to live in in Pebble Beach, it was a huge financial stretch for us. Mm. Um, But, you know, when you when you work from home, the cool thing is, is you can sometimes go a little bit beyond the comfort zone in terms of where you choose to live in your home, because we're a home based business, because we're able to write a portion off, because I don't have to have the have you know that that heavy overhead so I think you know one of the beautiful things about um, a Wi-Fi entrepreneur is that your home becomes the office and so therefore you can think a little bit bigger in terms of where you can live your mortgage can be a little bit higher because you've got a business paying for it as well as your personal income so so for me you know just really um, had we not made that leap uh, into Pebble Beach you know every single day on my way to the gym I'm driving by homes that are obviously you know, much more extravagant than mine, but there's an abundance consciousness in this place that I live that I know has impacted positively my ability to attract the clients that I want to attract. So that's, that's a piece of where, I mean, it's pretty simple. I'm here um, in our third bedroom of the house and, you know, my yeah. husband's office here uh, and, and, you know, I'm, we're pretty minimalist, honestly. And I think that's part of the, the wifi lifestyle is, is not having so much stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can pick up and go. We're probably our, one of our goals for 2019 is to do some house swapping um, and you know, much more traveling than we've done. My, my son is now off to college, and mm-hmm. so that gives us a little more freedom. I think the other piece so the Wi Fi, so sometimes I think in, in this world of Wi Fi entrepreneurs, people think of like being off to Bali, right? Or Costa Rica, or we certainly go to Hawaii about three times a year. But um, the other piece is also my mom is 90. And she just, she just um, celebrated her 90th birthday and she had a health scare before then. She's just had another health scare. Um, so I'm, you know, I can pick up and go. I think I went to my mom to be with her for six, six times last year, she's in Florida. And so the, the value of a lifestyle entrepreneur where you're able to pick up and work from anywhere, it's not just for the fun and the glamor of travel. It's also that I can be there, you know, out of all of my siblings, um, you know, even though some of my siblings are retired, I'm sometimes it's easiest for me to pick up and go because I literally, all I do is I just need this beautiful laptop running three businesses from my laptop. So, you know, especially for those of your listeners who are looking, you know, for this lifestyle and and working towards it, you know, I'm, I'm 58 now. And so this is what we're all facing is taking caretaking for our parents and to be able to to just pick up and go and give back to her the way she gave to me for all those years. It's one of the greatest benefits in my opinion.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. And you know, I'm so glad you mentioned that because even in developing this whole thing, <laughs> uh, I, I I know people who are living the wifi lifestyle and that is what they often say. It's like, it it's, uh, I have a friend who just passed away or had his dad just passed away. And yeah. he, he mentioned that, that, you know, because of his, You know, he, he built the, actually built a network marketing business, but he had, so he had residual income and it gave him the free, you know, the, the checks kept coming while he spent the last month or so with his, with his dad. He didn't have to keep, he didn't have to keep working. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. That's awesome. Yeah. One of our questions about uh, the Wi-Fi lifestyle is leverage. I think leverage is so important. And uh, just from our couple of short conversations, I want to call you the, the leverage queen.
0: <laughs> I love <laughs> I, it.
1: I hope that's not too sexist, but I know that. No, no, no. I'll take That it. is I'll definitely it. one of your areas uh, that you have specialized in and you have developed that, right? Like that's been a key to you being able to live a Wi-Fi lifestyle and a key to you expanding your businesses has been leveraged so just yeah. again sorry that we're, we're kind of short on time so just quickly if you could just say one or yeah. two quick things about leverage I'd love to hear from yeah, you because I know you're an expert them. In
0: that. yeah so so it's funny I mean I don't like the um, Webster's uh, definition of what of leverage it, it, it's not at all adequate so I'll give you mine. that is yeah. um, in business it's it's creating the greatest return for the least amount of effort and so leverage for an entrepreneur is essential because that's what's going to get you out of the J-O-B where you're trapped and everything relies on you. So there's all sorts of different ways to leverage. Some of the earlier things for you to do, well, it's, it's, it's really three things. So the first one is to build a support team. That's, and I have a couple, a um, little bit of tools I can share on that. But building a support team is super, super important. The second thing is um, to automate the delivery of your genius. So in other words, it's not just way beyond the one-on-one is have some ways for people to experience your work without it requiring your time. So that's, that's um, strategy number two is to automate the delivery of your genius. And third is to systematize the sales process. So in right. systematizing the sales process, that means, you know, even though you still may be the person that hops call at the end and closes the sale, you still may be do at that stage doing that, but everything else up to there, can be automated where you're really qualifying. So if you end up on a phone with someone, you're only ending up on a phone with someone who you know is is really ready to invest, open to learning and growing. And so those are the three strategies that I love to work with people on. And a lot of our programs are focused on those three. I actually have three companies. Yeah, so the, the, the one company um, is all around using a tech tool for the automation of the sales process. So that's where we actually have an online assessment and that assessment helps The client understand where they are but it helps you the expert make sure that you're talking only to the people who are highly committed Mm. um and then the automated of the delivery we build e-learning platforms so so you know taking your program taking the genius the thing that you would do intuitively and actually putting it into an online program where people can experience your 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 work and then if they want to move into work with you but you gotta have that entry point program and then on team building it's just using some tools and Actually, it's funny because a friend of mine was asking me to do some sort of program on this because literally I have 10, 10 tips, 10 tools um, that need to be in place for you to really have what I call a dream team. You know, my team's been with me. One's been with me for 10 years, another one, six, another one, five. So keeping that longevity, the way that you keep, and they're all independent contractors. We don't have employees, but the way you keep them is that you kind of have to have your shit together. <laughs> you have to have tools. You yeah. Know? They have to know what their roles and responsibilities are. You've got to have a, a legal agreement in place so your rear end is covered and, and you know, you're clear about what their role is. Um, you know, we do a weekly recap. So if I were to say one thing that I think has transformed my team and the teams of my clients is every single week, even if they're an independent contact, contractor, any vendor who's worked with for you from for some fashion over the week, they do a weekly recap. And it's four basic questions. It comes to you on a Sunday. You, you need to have it in your inbox. It's one of the requirements of working with us. And then on Sunday evening, when I'm doing kind of my planning for the week and looking over what's on my, my plate, I'm looking at these recaps of every single team member. It tells me, are they being productive? Are, you know, is there something they need from me that they're not getting? Is there a block that they're experiencing that I can help them through? And most importantly, Rod, what they do at the end of that report for me is they say, here's what my priorities are for the week. And literally in about 40 minutes, I can manage and overlook all of my team members, see where they're on track. I shoot it back to them via email, you know, high-fiving and rock star and yays on all the stuff that's going well, giving them what they need if they're missing something, and then adjusting the priorities if for some reason maybe a project has changed. That weekly communication with my team where they've told me what they've They kind of what's where they're celebrating, where they, where have they um, completed and where are they focusing on? I I tell you, I save hours and hours in the week. They feel supported. They feel clear. And, you know, as a, as a, you know, digital nomad is another word. I think sometimes that's used for this, you you know, you, you can't, you can't be constantly, you know, micromanaging your team. That's Mm -hmm. the freedom that you want to have. And so putting these kinds of things in place to be able to, easily manage your team in a 45 minute period every Sunday evening and rock in the week with clarity and their confidence. So that's, to me, that would be one of my tips for creating that team leverage piece.
1: Awesome. I like it. A question I want to start asking people. So I'm going to ask you is, uh, why do you do what you do? Do you know your why? Like, have you done some why work <laughs> and look <laughs> carefully at, at, yeah. at, at your why? Could you, would you mind sharing that with us?
0: No, I'm honored to share. That's a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, well, first of all, I do it, I do it because I couldn't not do it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, every, you know, each time I sold a business, I always asked myself, do I want to go back and do this again? Um, and always it was, you have to, this is why you're on the planet. So, so for me, the common thread through all the businesses, my, the one part of my why that's never changed Rod is that I'm so passionate about entrepreneurship every single business that I started was really helping people transform their life through the power of entrepreneurship. Whether I was speaking on stage in Kuala Lumpur or holding a meeting here in my own backyard, empowering people through entrepreneurship is is my passion. Um, How that's morphed and shifted is now I say that I wanna transform your entrepreneurial experience by helping you harness the power of leverage. So my why is the same, but it's a new distinction based on my own values. And I think if people are looking at that, that's the beautiful thing about the why is typically when you really found that for reason, it pretty much remains the same throughout your whole life. There's a common thread. But then as you grow and develop and your experience grows, then you get to create like a little more of a nuance with your why, which is now I'm, why I'm focusing on leverage. Make sense?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: Cool. cool, cool, cool.
1: Excellent. Great answer. Well, Jane, you've been like the, one of the, perfect guest for our Wi Fi lifestyle podcast. And honestly, you're sort of one of the first guests that we've had to talk about our new theme. So (laughs) I love it. It's great to kick things off. Uh, I didn't necessarily know that going into this. But um, man, thank you so much for all of the information that you shared. We're gonna go into our speed round now. So three questions that we ask all of our guests.
0: Okay, where's the timer? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't worry too too much about the the speed part of it. But um, do you have a resource that inspires you? A recent book, blog, video, movie, mm-hmm. podcast, article, or person? <laughs> just pick one.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. Um, so I just wrote about it um, to my list. But I wrote on, on the plane back. I wrote you're a bad or read you're a badass.
1: Oh, yeah, I've heard of that book, yeah. and
0: um, Sincerio. Yeah. And it's, it's super. So, you know, if you want a, a Wi-Fi lifestyle, you've got to be badass. And so <laughs> she's, she, it's a great book. It's probably great for people who are really trying to find, you know, is this the thing I want to do kind of in the earlier stages? But also, you know, here I am 31 years in and I, I found some gems. She's just got a really fun way of writing, easy read, and she covers the gambit in terms of how to be a badass in business.
1: Cool. What's what's something that has spoken to you in that book? Like did it just confirm that you're already a badass or did it <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well actually so in some ways, like yeah. Check, 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 um, yeah. check. yeah, I mean I think there's always a, I say there's always another level of badassery, right? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's you know, I remember the first time I hired a life coach, his first question to me was, you know are you living a satisfying life? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm living a satisfying life, but I'm so not here for satisfying. I'm here for like amazing. <laughs> so there's always another level of volume. Um, yeah. So that was very you know, maybe I saw a couple of places. Uh, and then in the next day, I, I wrote an email to my list that the whole thing was about, you know, hey, you're a badass. Remember, you're a badass. So it's, I think maybe she, um, what I took away is she, she urged and inspired me to be a little more, forthright in my communication mm. uh, with my team or with my uh, community.
1: Yeah. Good. Excellent. And you have a business tool like an app or a piece of software. You mentioned uh, spreadsheets already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is it, is, is there something else that a tool that helps you to live a Wi-Fi lifestyle?
0: I will say, I mean, I got to go back to the, the assessment tool that I mentioned earlier, you know, the, right now assessments and quizzes and surveys, you know, it's all the rage. I think out of all of them, for any entrepreneur who's an expert to have an assessment that they can give out to their clients that helps the client understand where they are. How, how ours helped me is that it, it addresses that frustration I was having before we designed this, which is I have all these emails, right? I've got an entire database of emails. And I remember before we had the assessment, I was like, I, I just, I wanna know who's at the other end. I wanna know more than who the, you know, than the, their uh, email address. I wanna know where they are in their path and where the challenges are. So for me, when I, when we, when we designed this assessment that we've now designed for other experts, when we put that in place, all of a sudden I felt a deeper connection with the people on my list because I knew who they were, I knew where they were in their process. So my communication was then personalized based on where they are in the process, if that makes sense. Mm. So for me, that's my favorite tool hands down is the, we have maybe 10 assessments, but every entrepreneur at least needs at least one or two in their arsenal to really understand who's on their list and how they can serve them.
1: Cool, so you're saying you use that assessment tool sort of s- to segment your list and then that helps you to target your communication yeah. better. Yeah. yeah,
0: sometimes it's the first point. So actually I'll, I'll let, um, I will give your people an opportunity to take our assessment if they want to kind of get a sense of where they are in, in their business.
1: Sure. Um,
0: but so what I'll say is that having that particular assessment tool what it enables them to do is to then personalize their communication. So in other words, a newbie needs different things from us versus somebody who's more advanced. So yeah, that's what I would say.
1: Excellent. Yeah. So like you say, we just have one more question and then we'll, I think that's the tool that you're going to offer to our listeners. So that's great. And you have an inspiring cause or a nonprofit that you'd like to give a shout out to. Oh,
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. My niece spent two years in the Peace Corps and, Mm -hmm so moved by what was happening over there, she at the time started, she built a school for the local community. Where was she? Um, She's in Zambia. Okay. And so she decided to stay in Zambia. So actually met her now um, life partner. Um, She stayed in Zambia and they started an organization called Bakashana. Mm. Bakashana um, is, it's an organization where she goes into rural areas of Zambia and finds these amazing young women who aren't able to go to school because unfortunately in Zambia, there is no public school. So everything is, is private. So most of these girls can't go to school. So she actually, we just bought a house, actually um, a, a big boarding school in, um, in, in this one little town where they are, but for um, very little, you can actually sponsor a girl and you form a relationship with them. I'm on the board of directors uh, it's it's so powerful because it's not just, you know, they're fed and they're clothed and we pay for their schooling, but they are also are given a mentor. So she went into the community and trained women in this, this rural community to be mentors to young women. So instead of, you know, the white people coming in and fixing the problem, she's mentoring this whole um, group of adult women in the community, as well as housing and educating these young women. So if you go to bakashana.org,
1: okay. you'll-
0: about that and um, you can you see their stories and you actually you can pick the girl that you sponsor and it's really not very much money and they write you and it's it's just a really beautiful thing. So thank you for asking. I appreciate that.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Talk about leverage, right? A little bit of money can go a long ways in in some of these other countries, yeah.
0: It's remarkable <laughs> for I think we raised $35,000 for this building where it's going to be a resource center for the community. Girls are living there. It's it's just remarkable how far your money goes
1: fantastic yeah good for you and then tell us as we close up here just tell us a little bit about the tool that you want to make available to our listeners
0: yeah it would be fun so um i love first of all this has been a great interview i just uh, I, I love you the minute we had dinner together and I, <laughs> thanks you're my first interview after that event okay um, the tool that i want to share if they go to rock your biz quiz so rockyourbizquiz.com And it's about a four minute process. So they're going to go and they're basically what I have you do is I've I've broken the assessment into five different sections. And these are five sections that really find out where you are in your business. And so you're going to, you're going to assess on a scale of one to 10. Are you rocking this particular piece? And don't feel bad if you're, if, if there's certain places where you're, you know, scoring yourself at the level two or three. This is nothing more than an FYI, that this might be one of the missing pieces that's keeping your business from growing. So in the end, they'll get a scoring. And so each section has a score. So that gives you where are the places that you're really rocking it, where you're solid. And then where are the places that you really may need to pay some attention to, to get to that next level. And then what you'll also see is at the bottom, there's three questions that help us determine your commitment level. So based on how you respond, we'll be able to send you tools that are completely relevant. So if you're brand new and maybe you score a little lower in that first section or maybe low overall, no worries. Like the cool thing is, is we've got some great tools that we can send you. And as you're taking it, if you're an expert, imagine having that kind of an assessment for your clients to take, whether you're a relationship coach or business consultant, you know, having that kind of a tool where, you know, in so many ways, Right. You think about now, like the lead magnets, it's all about the guru. I call it the it's the guru focused lead magnet. You know, click here and get my PDF, click here and watch my webinar. It's all about the guru. Where yeah. this this is, click here and learn about yourself. That's my favorite thing about this assessment. So go to rockybizquiz.com, have fun, and then you'll get some great resources based on where you are.
1: Great. So we'll have all of this in our show notes if people are listening on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever they might find this. Uh, this particular podcast so they can check there. And uh, thank you so much, Jane. Like I said, uh, it's welcome. just been a pleasure talking to you. I feel like we could talk for a lot longer. So maybe we'll have to have you back sometime. There's so many things I was thinking, oh, I wish I could ask more questions, but in the interest of I time. I would love it. Yeah, and the format, I wanted to keep, keep moving along. but
0: <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I mean, you know, so what, let's do this. We'll set an intention that after I do some traveling with my husband next year, I'll share some of the war stories from, the, from being on the road
1: okay excellent living the wi-fi with lifestyle war stories yeah it's it's maybe not all glam and and everything right (laughs) exactly awesome you've been listening to fuel radio